welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need to know political news and tea. So, as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week. Sorry for the delay. Happy Tuesday. Finally recording on the day people are listening. That's exciting. So bizarre. It literally just, it's going to throw us, I know, like as we're like rolling through <laughs> these stories and we're like, oh, wait, that's actually, that update is, it's fresher than fresh. It's, it's immediate. Fresher. It's literally like going to the farmer's market and just picking up a nice pie. That's you what, it's exactly what it is. And I've got pie on the mind. So that's where mm-hmm. we're at this morning. Sounds you great. know, I agree. Sounds fantastic. Um, also, Maddie decided to start this off with like the rudest story that she even put on the note stock. So sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you guys, we have some a debt limit story to kick us off because apparently it's become a full blown political crisis. Apparently, so I guess we'll have to get into it and explain it to you all today. But I mean, should we just get into it? I guess let's do it. Like, I I mean, I'm not excited. I- <laughs> no, because kicking it off with our top story of the week, not that it's the top because it's the best, because it's a debt limit update story <laughs> with, again, parentheses, so sorry for this. But the debt limit debate is now a full-blown political crisis. So Punchbowl is basically saying, you ladies need to talk about this. So Treasury as Secretary- they do. As, as they do. I know. They really just like to tell us what to do. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told congressional leaders in a Monday letter that the U.S. government could default on its $31.4 trillion debt as early as June 1 unless Congress acts. This is far earlier than many expected, and some Republicans question whether the deadline is real. Not the first thing they've <laughs> they've <laughs> debated is real. Well, because um, we're all living in a simulation. Like, that is... That is the one and true conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And to that, I say, what if everything's just as it seems, you know? Shortly before. Now that. (laughs) (laughs) That is a revolutionary idea. Yeah. That's why I told the conspiracy theorists I went on a date with. Hey, you could be right. But what if everything's just as it seems? Hold. Is this the four martinis? Date? Yeah. Yes. Wait. So you got four martinis, like deep drunk, when mm-hmm. a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. to be a fly on the wall. Oh yeah. Like he wasn't like too problematic in his conspiracy theories. T- like he was more okay. just kind of like anti-establishment. Like big okay. pharma's poisoning us. Like all that you know. Fair. Which a lot of it I agree with. Some of it I was like, okay. Now you're just, this is the thing with conspiracy theorists. I'm like, the whole ignorance is bliss thing is honestly real. Like, what are you going to do to tear down all of these institutions? Of, <laughs> and like, I don't know. I'm just like, might as well not worry about it too much. It's always great to question things, but let's not like deteriorate your mind by spiraling into these thoughts of like, what if, you know? Mm. Or it's like also then if there's something that feels like, oh, that's a problem, then work to change like what you can actually like see and then discover along the way. And like, yeah, there's look, I think there I thought about this a lot and this is going to get me in trouble, I'm sure. But I just feel like sometimes life would be like 
a lot better being a lot dumber. Oh, like I have really totally. thought like there are times where I'm like, well, the why thing is, is do that... I have to, and I don't think I'm a genius, but I'm smart enough that like you see shit you can't unsee. And then you're like, yeah. well, but the majority of conspiracy theorists like are kind of, and that's why like yeah, they, they kind of like point to these kind of obscene things that they can't, you know, I will say the guy I went on a date with was very smart, but for the majority, I feel like people who grasp on a conspiracy theories. Like you can't connect the dots, which is yeah. like Margie so Taylor like, Green and Space exactly. Lasers. Like exactly. Look, the creativity though behind some of them, I really have to say is just next level. Yeah. I, some type of acid trip brought them to some odd conclusion. Wait, oh my God. Can you imagine though? Like I would almost want to see like, who is wackier, like put like without them knowing someone on an acid trip or doing like, what is that? Ashko, Ashkawanga, Ashka. Ayahuasca. Thank you. <laughs> the Ashwagandha is actually a, a mushroom that's good for your brain and like Damn mix it. in your coffee. Oh, you're like so right. Mm-hmm. You're so right. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And I even like it too. I totally forgot. Okay. Wow. So let's just go back to acid, someone on acid, and then someone that's like a deep QAnon conspiracy grouping, put them in a room together and just see where that lands. Mm -hmm. I mean, scary for society, but see where God takes them. Yeah. Like a ticket to that show. Thank you. Anyways, formed an entire reality show. Conspiracy theorist, acid trip, tangent aside, let's get back into the debt limit because. Don't those things going hand in hand? Shortly before Yellen's letter went public, we scooped that President Joe Biden called Speaker Kevin McCarthy and other members of the Big Four seeking to schedule a meeting to discuss lifting the borrowing cap. The sit-down is slated for May 9th, a week from today. And that is correct, today. Here are five things we're slash punch bowl is watching right now. (laughs) So... Number one is Yellen's letter had the immediate and perhaps counterintuitive effect of hardening everyone's positions. Republicans said that Yellen, the Yellen letter shows the need for Biden to sit down with McCarthy. Democrats countered that it underscores the urgency of passing a clean debt limit hike and fast. Some Democratic senators want Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to put a clean debt limit increase on the floor to squeeze Republicans, even though there currently aren't 60 votes for it. Senator John Tester, who's up for re-election in a red state, said he supports the idea of Biden and McCarthy sitting down on the debt, but not on the debt ceiling. What does that even <laughs> what mean? What does that mean? Like, literally, oh, like... Oh, God. Okay. That is one of those things that's just, like, buzzwords put together with buzzwords that mean literally. Gook. Literally. Schumer has leaned even harder into a clean debt limit hike late Monday night. Schumer began the Rule 14 process on both the House Pass Limit Save Grow Act and a clean two-year debt limit increase. This is the procedure whereby legislation is teed up for potential votes, although it doesn't mean that it will happen. In doing so, according to a Schumer spokesperson, the majority leader is working to ensure that once a clean debt ceiling is passed. The House bill is available for bipartisan agreement on spending and revenue as part of the regular budget process. Wong 
Giddy-wonk-wonk. So top Senate Republicans suggested Yellen's letter was part of an effort by the Biden administration to up the pressure on Republicans and evade responsibility for the crisis. They have to participate. Good Lord, Senator Shelley Moore Capito said. Number two on this watch list for Punchbowl is we've reported extensively on the small group of Senate Republicans who may be willing to support a clean debt limit increase if the Biden-McCarthy negotiations don't go anywhere. And default seems imminent. Senate Democrats in particular are banking on this as a part of their strategy. But that same Republican faction appeared unmoved by Yellen's letter on Monday. The Senate GOP conference is united behind McCarthy and isn't even entertaining the idea of a clean debt hike right now. Plus, there's Senator Dianne Feinstein factor. If Schumer is to have any chance of passing a clean debt limit hike, he'll need Feinstein to be present in voting. On top of that, he'd need nine Republicans willing to take the plunge if all Democrats support Schumer, which is not guaranteed. Mess. What a mess. Number three, could McCarthy put a clean debt limit bill on the floor and keep his speakership? The answer is no. McCarthy will need some wins in order to cut a deal acceptable to Republicans. McCarthy's endgame remains a mystery to Democrats, senior White House officials, a mix of Biden loyalists and Obama veterans. Don't know the California Republican or how to deal with him. They watched what happened in January during the speaker vote and wonder what kind of leeway hardcore conservatives could give McCarthy in any high-level talks. McCarthy's team maintains he simply wants a deal and is flexible as to what that looks like. Number four, how will Wall Street respond? This will have a massive impact on the debate. If the markets tank as a result of a prolonged political standoff, it could force both sides to cut a deal. Plus, the Federal Open Market Committee is kicking off its regular two-day meeting that will end in an all likelihood with a decision to raise interest rates to further stem inflation. And number five, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell may be the most important person in all of this, which, God, isn't he always? Just bugger his little head in there. (laughs) The Senate GOP leader told us Monday night that he had a good conversation with Biden and, quote, I'm sure we'll speak again. But McConnell notably declined to respond when asked if he plans on attending next week's meeting. McConnell will probably want to confer with McCarthy, who is traveling in the Middle East and Europe this week. McConnell has insisted that this year's talks should be between Biden and McCarthy and that Senate Republicans will follow the House's lead. That's still the position of the Senate GOP leaders who see Biden's desire to include more people in the talks as beneficial to the president. So there is our debt limit update now turned crisis. I just feel like it's a constant game of chicken. And yes, I, but I think it's like, to me, this whole thing on both sides, not only game of chicken just feels like a showboat scenario. Like, at the end of the yeah. day, they're going to have to come to a deal. Like exactly. that's just the Amer- the American government has to continue to function. I just feel like I don't know. This doesn't stress me out. This doesn't keep me awake yeah. at night. I really feel like it's like a showboat of both sides. And again, like they have to come to a deal. I mean, look, I maybe I'm talking a little bit naively, and I'm sure some like total political wonk would be like, "You're being naive," <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, well." Yeah, especially because like this whole letter from Yellen, this deadline, June 1, even the Republicans don't even believe that's real as far as the deadline. So if there's not even an agreement on the deadline, but I think I agree with you that it's like 
if they know generally when something's shit's about to go down, I'm sure that they'll come to the table and make sure it doesn't happen. There's this back and forth battle and it's game of chicken is the perfect way to explain that. Yeah. Although I will say, I really do imagine like McConnell, you know, like I think he kind of looks like a turtle. Like I really yes. imagine him like butting his head in, but like in a turtle fashion, like he's just yeah. in his little shell. His and then all of a sudden extension. he goes. Yeah. So did you see the clip of him where he was like at a press conference right after he came back from his, from his fall? And somebody no. asked him like, what do you think that, you know, the main contender for your party's presidential primary is can potentially go to jail or something and he goes you know what rick or whatever the press guy's name is (laughs) i hit my head but i didn't hit my head that hard (laughs) nice try or something like that (laughs) it was actually hilarious and i was like honestly touche wait that's actually iconic oh my god look i do think that there are certain elements, like certain people that I think probably one-on-one or in certain contexts are probably like funny. Like yeah. I, the video that always comes to mind is Mitch McConnell and Schumer both trying to go to the podium at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that press conference moment that forever lives rent-free in my head. And like, so I, I do think there is like a dynamic to it. Just also like also, you know, do see in Biden. Like I think that these dynamics, mm-hmm. of course, they still at the end of the day, like impact how we live our lives in this country and the policies that are past but there are these moments where you're like huh interesting glimmer of personality this is true <sighs> well speaking of personalities we've got election launch updates yeah, speaking of the senate which, interesting we have a retirement which is interesting for a lot of reasons one being that i feel like we had a slew of retirement announcements maybe like a month and a half ago maybe it feels a little further time is an illusion but i feel like they all a lot of them happened at once And now this is like another one to add to the pile. So Democratic Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland announced Monday that he plans to retire at the end of his third term, triggering what is likely to be a highly competitive primary to replace him in the blue-leaning state. The decision by Cardin, a longtime fixture of Maryland politics, will open up his seat for the first time since 2006 when he was elected to the Senate after spending 20 years in the U.S. House, representing a large part of Baltimore and several nearby suburbs. He said, I am proud of all I have done for Maryland. I have given my heart and soul to our great state and thank Marylanders for trusting me as your representative for all, all the for all these years. Cardin, 79. Oh, he looks younger than that. At least the pictures that I put of him. He looks a little younger than that. That must have a good skincare regimen. Really? Yeah. I mean, he looks old, Wait, but... Click it, into the link that I put I, on. Look at that picture of him. Hold on. I'm clicking. He I'm looks clicking. like he's nearing 90 to me. You have a point. <laughs> it's the eyes. 79 seems generous. Yeah, I'm curious what I was, what was I looking at? Yes, oh, whatever it was, because I saw it, the announcement and I posted it to our story to ask, like, to see, like, what our Maryland followers thought slash, like, who they thought would run, which, by the way, the we got pages of them. I just posted two, like, little clips of them. But the resounding takeaway is people either think or want Jamie Raskin to run for the seat, which also, is like makes not sense. To completely but... shit on this man because I already just destroyed him for his appearance, and I really that was mean, and I'm sorry. But to continue to really just be rude, this is one of the senators that I genuinely didn't know his name. I have no idea who this is. I like never okay. heard of him once. 
I happen to agree with that. Like I knew I think this is my of his existence, but I I genuinely could not tell you, and this does not mean it's not in existence. I couldn't tell you one legislative thing that he like led and it's like, oh, like this is his thing. And I can like say that of like people on both sides of the aisle, like what they're like number one issue is or whatever this one i'll i'll put it farther i don't know farther and say i literally i don't think i've ever heard his name you know unless this is the thing about this show we (laughs) learn with you guys we never (laughs) pretend to be no i hard in the weeds this is why we could never live in dc we would like we get eaten up alive like oh you don't know so-and-so's like yeah like the bill I passed 10 years ago and with this person and that person. Yeah. No. no. And that's mostly a me problem. Like when someone tells me their name, for some reason, I black out every time. Same. And that's that's probably a lot of what this is, is that I'm sure I've seen him. I'm sure I've heard his name. It just never soaked in for me. But hey, I'm sure he has a great record of legislating. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if I don't know him, though, does he? I'm also curious. Well, then there are like, you know, like, him as well. True. Well, then there's also like those ones that we've like talked about where it's like they're like kind of quiet giants. And that can be like in Congress, one Senate where like they actually like really get a lot of stuff done or work across the aisle on a lot of things. But they're not like don't have like big media presence. No, like, and honestly, they're not I respect the hell out of people like that. Like you're just doing your job to do your job and to legislate like you don't. Well, did you see, I put it in the newsletter too, that Politico came out with an awards program called The Thirsties. Mm, and it was literally that. like ranking, like it was the top 10 thirstiest politicians. And it also included like Newt Gingrich, who like, hasn't been in office in like a literal hot minute. He's and like, was, why is my name being brought up? Except <laughs> he's like, loves it. He's like, yes, I am that thirsty. I am named Newt, like literally <laughs> a Newt. I can't. But I also like, there were... There were a few on there that I was like, duh. And then there was, Ro Connor was on there. And I didn't think, I honestly don't think he's the thirstiest by any means. So I think he came on our show. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, who I think is, which is so funny because like absolutely huge fan. But I think Eric Solwell is a t- is like the thirstiest. Mm. And so I put that in the newsletter. Well, too, well, well really what it means is that they, they respect and value the calm side of things, which they is do. important. And which honestly, like, there's arguments on both sides like do you want to not be thirsty kind of hang back and just legislate but there's something wrong with that because you do need to be communicative you do need to be out there and you do need to be showing and telling your constituents what you're doing so honestly if you're being thirsty you're doing it right technically and it depends on what kind of thirst obviously yeah if it's and there was you know, like swalwell just continuing to fight and fight and fight for all these issues and like be out there i respect the hell out of it so whereas if you're also marjorie taylor green on that list mm-hmm. you know fill in the blank but i do agree with that i don't think that you can legislate in darkness like there has to be a communications line into people and that might look different for different electeds that could be like you're jeff jacksoning on social media that could mean you're following on podcasts like whatever it is like you find not they find their thing i sound like i'm giving career advice but you know what i mean like it's it it looks different yeah long story short can't say this guy from our standpoint is i don't even know yeah yeah he's Again, not to totally shit on this man. 
but I did. So Someone's going to DM us and be like, you guys are idiots. I'm going to be like, yeah. And I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't know. At least I'm aware. Okay. Yeah, Go exactly. Ahead. Exactly. Well, anyways, he is, like we said, 79. The third Democratic senator to decide not to run for re-election next year following Diane Feinstein of California and Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan. It was like, honestly, the most iconic hair, just side note. On the Republican side, Senator Mike Brown of Indiana is shooing. Always a funny word. A second term and will run for governor instead. That is not what I thought a shooing meant. I thought it meant thinking. This, I'm not, I don't know. You know what? Word. This episode is not one to spotlight our intelligence. <laughs> this is after I literally said, wouldn't it be nicer to be dumber? <laughs> I, just, I guess hey. it is. I guess yeah. it is. <laughs> At least for me, I have an excuse. It's seven in the morning for me. It's only um, 10 here. I got nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's still an excuse. <laughs> Scratch his head. <laughs> Go ahead. In my defense, I am more effective at four in the morning than I am at 10. Oh, wow. I'm like, not. I'm, I'm a night owl. I'm not a morning person. But regardless, mm-hmm. potential candidates for card seat include Democratic reps David Trone and Jamie Raskin, who we were just mentioning. Prince George's County Executive Angela Also Brooks is also considering is also considered a possible Democratic contender. Good to know. Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one in Maryland, which has not elected a Republican to the U.S. Senate since 1980. The state's eight-member House delegation has only one Republican. That is really interesting. I was also looking at it yesterday when I had, like posed that question. Was just curious. I was like, okay, like I don't, I know a tidbit of Maryland politics, but honestly, it's not. I don't. I just don't know that much. It's not the state I'm most familiar with, and I'm pretty sure all of their congressional delegation is also made up of men. Hey. Aren't they all? So anyways, women of Maryland, please run for office. There we go. I support that message. Last year, GOP leadership aggressively tried to recruit then-Governor Larry Hogan to run against Senator Chris Van Hollen, but Hogan declined, saying he didn't aspire to be a U.S. senator. Hogan, who recently wrapped up his second and final term as governor, said in March that he would not seek the 2024 Republican nomination for president. Yeah, so just when I hear Hogan, I just think of, like, Hulk Hogan, so. 100%. I honestly, that's what I thought at first, because I tuned out, and then I tuned back in when you said, but Hogan declined, and I was like, Hulk Hogan? Um, nonetheless, what I, I will say this one note of Maryland of like why it's quasi bit on my radar is that they had a Republican governor, but are like more like of a democratic state and Vermont is the same way and currently does have a Republican governor, even though everyone's always like, please switch to being a Democrat. You are a Democrat. And he's like, no, I'm not. And it's like, but you are. So anyways, and like Democrats all elect him. It's just, it's very strange. So I'm curious what the Maryland dynamic is with that as well. Regardless, during Cardin's tenure in Senate, oh, here we get a little detail. I'm like, what this guy did? He's been a leader in healthcare, retirement security. Oh, maybe that's why we don't. Okay, the environment and fiscal issues. He helped write the Paycheck Protection Program that helps small businesses in Maryland and nationwide under the economic impact of COVID-19. He also created the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Advance Grant Program, mouthful, to quickly get cash to small businesses in need. His legislation to expand Medicare to include preventative benefits such as colorectal, colon. I just know that's it's another word for colon, okay? People, prostates, mammograms, osteoporosis. Why can I pronounce that and not colorectal? Anyways, it was also enacted. 
I salute my friend and our state senior Senator Ben Curtis on his extraordinary public service in Maryland and our country, Van Hollen said in a statement Monday. It's a privilege to serve alongside him and in partnership every day for the people of our great state. Cardin also has worked in foreign affairs, bringing the integration of anti-corruption, transparency, and respect for human rights into foreign policy. He chaired the Commission on Security and Cooperation in Europe, also known as the U.S. Helensky Commission. Cardin counts among his achievements the passage of his legislation to increase the amount of Americans can put into their 401k plans and IRAs. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. Which was enacted in 2001. Cardin also had a long career in state government before he became a congressman. He won a seat in the Maryland House of Delegates in 1966. He served as the Maryland House Speaker from 79 to 86. As a state legislator and member of Congress, Cardin has generally supported liberal views, emphasizing increased aid for education, tax relief for low-income people, and protection of the environment. There it is. Well, now we I know. wish him adieu. Is that how you... I wish him all the best. Yes. And... Definitely has some great work under his belt for sure. And yeah. thank Wait, you for we did... this article for answering our questions about exactly. It's one of those things. It's so funny how like when you keep reading, then you actually learn the things. Yeah, if we just shut asking. the fuck up and like read the article, yeah, that would be. Great That's for not us. our style though, and so <laughs> nonetheless, everyone <laughs> gets to see our thought process of crazy. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days, tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. 
Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing premixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. Okay, well, moving on to our next story regarding DeSantis. The Florida House approved a bill on Friday that would allow Governor Ron DeSantis to remain as governor if he chooses to run for president in 2024, sending it to his desk for his signature. I just... The bill passed 76 to 34 on party line vote after passing the state Senate also along party lines on Wednesday, which was a 28 to 12 vote. Florida election law states that anyone running for an office needs to step down from a position they hold once they are officially a candidate. If signed, the bill would create an exception that the law would not apply to officials running for president or vice president. DeSantis has not formally announced if he is run- if he is considering a run for the GOP nomination for president in 2024, but I feel like this is our answer. He's like, he's teeing it up. It's getting teed, Mm. but he is widely speculated to enter the race soon. It's May also, by the way, happy May. Happy Maddie's birthday month. Don't say you. And also the month where the Santa's is expected to announce. (laughs) I wonder if he'll announce on my birthday. What a present that would be. That'd be such a gift. Supporters of the bill have said it is not designed for DeSantis and is only a clarification. While Democrats slammed it as a way to ensure DeSantis can remain as governor while running for president. Quote, it is an individual office that is unique. It is the chief executive of our country. State Rep. Ralph Masulo said during debate on Friday, quote, this isn't just for our governor. It's for anyone in politics. State Rep. Angela Nixon said the legislature is, quote, doing the governor's bidding, arguing that DeSantis needs to resign if he wants to run for president. Quote, last time I checked, being governor's full-time job, Nixon said, running for president takes a lot of work. The law would also place additional restrictions on mail-in ballots and place the responsibility for a voter to determine if they're eligible to vote on them instead of the state. Democrats argue these provisions are voter suppression tactics on minorities and economically disadvantaged groups to keep Republicans in control of the state government. But GOP lawmakers defended them as being needed to streamline elections and eliminate ambiguity. There is no more sacred thing than our vote, said Rep. John Snyder, 
it should be easy to vote and hard to cheat. Most aspects of the law would take effect on July 1, but the section allowing someone running for president to not resign from their office would take effect immediately upon the act becoming law. So yeah, like imagine he is fundraising and getting big dollar donations from special interests or whomever. And he's also governor and can still legislate. And some of the money he's getting for his campaign for president, if it's from a certain interest group, can then be also like money to persuade him to act certain ways legislatively in Florida as governor. It's just, it's messy. I feel like this continuously like falls into line as the like Republicans are smart. Like they're evil, but they're smart. Like this is like another like thing evil that genius. like totally like they're thinking of everything. Like what can I pull? What can I like? It's like McConnell move. passing that, pushing that bill in the Kentucky state legislature yeah, to ensure that exactly. if he ever steps down, then the re- Republican state legislature would nominate his replacement, not the Democratic governor. It's proactive, and it's. That's genius is. is it is it right no Fuck no but they it know their loopholes if anyone knows a loop hole oh. <laughs> it's the <laughs> gop it's honestly it's their favorite game and i do think i really would encourage i know everyone's listening to me like what is i'm gonna say on this i would just encourage our democrats listening to just be a little more proactive like mm. please I can get behind that. I can get at least just like creative and be on the offense some more, not the defense always. Totally. I kind of, yeah, I don't always get that strategy. Like, why were I do think that's like a common thread and it's been talked about over the last like, I don't know, five to seven years about how like. Democrats are always playing offense. And it's like, I... Defense. Oh, sorry. Defense. I think it's also because, like, sports. back in the day, sports, 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 is, like, the Dems just, like, were, like, oh, we've got this. Like, we don't... We've got control and power. And they just got lazy and complacent. And now here we are. So it's not just defense time. It's also offense time. We have seen some states do some good offensive, offensive things this session. But we need more of it. So... Nonetheless, oh, also, we forgot to say that DeSantis is also a Disney adult. Yeah, Disney adult DeSantis. Yep, he had his wedding at Disney. So just let that sink in. I wonder what his wife's thoughts are on that. Like, because one of the articles I read, too, is she was like, she's also a Disney adult, which you'd hope both are Disney adults. They're getting married at Disney. But she was, like, really gung-ho about it, like, really wanted to happen and he said, like, okay, but, like, only if there's no one dressed as, like, Disney characters at the wedding. Like, the... the oh, my I gosh. Know. One and of my so, friends ha- w- was dating this guy who was a full-blown Disney adult, but he actually... <laughs> a Disney adult in the sense that he literally, like, started a business when he was, like, in middle school or something. And it was, like, a Disney blog, essentially. And it was, like, no. where the two dudes at disney land disney world like and it was just like a full disney like suggestion type blog website and he still does it and he like wrote a book about disney and it's like on amazon <laughs> look we talk about cults from time to time and disney is absolutely a cult and it's oh. one like 
I do not comprehend it at all. Like I don't I mean I, I love I love my Disney nostalgia, but I like I've been to Disneyland maybe twice in my life. Disney World once. Never been. And it's funny too, like the first time I went to Disneyland, I was like maybe seven. And then the last time I went, I was in college and I went with my my ex-boyfriend for the day. And it's just funny when you like when I, I remember going when I was younger, it was just like you walk in and like the the castle looks like just the most majestic, massive thing ever. I'm like, oh my God, this place is amazing. And then when I went when I was in college, it was like I walk in, it was like dupe. Like, you know that like TikTok sound where it's yes. just like do 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 like dupe. Yeah. It was like the castle literally is like smaller than my apartment. Like why why was I so obsessed? Like this place is shit. Um, great but food, also, though. Oh, Fun rides. That's interesting. Oh, I don't yeah. like rides. I like some rides. I don't. I'm afraid of heights, so I can't go too crazy. Too. But some of them I like. Which side don't? The older I get, the more afraid of heights I get. I was literally yeah. like my dad has so- that really bad. Like he like hit a turning point when he was like 40, where he was just all of a sudden he has like debilitating fear of heights weird how that happens with like stuff like the older you get like the more something like ingrains itself or the more you like lose something or you're like you just don't care Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know but back to disney with that yeah not my cult but look if we have any disney adults listening if it makes you happy it makes you happy and we're happy for you totally no i love it disneyland's fun and it's fun now when you're an adult too you get to like get a little drunk maybe smoke a little weed fun fun shit Oh my god, the idea of being high and seeing people in these costumes. <laughs> one of my friends had this. It's like, more like just on the rides. It's, it's a fun experience. Okay, that is crazy. I... Don't go. Don't go too crazy. Obviously, that would also smoke be. And drink That's kind of funny though. You get like arrested at like a Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like they um, sell alcohol and then like weed's legal, so it's nothing illegal happening. That's fair. I do have a friend though that like this one of my best friends. She went to a festival, did some secondary substances and you know those dino costumes mm-hmm. they like she was like hallucinating that they were chasing her oh, and so now she can't scary. stand like yeah so which is very <clears throat> scary like not a not a good experience anyways moving along to another dinosaur <laughs> nice that was, that was good great transition thank you joe mansion so Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia is stepping up his criticism of Biden's leadership, stirring speculation that the maverick Democrat may challenge Biden as a third-party candidate in 2024. Interesting. Okay, I will read the whole thing before we... I have so many comments already. One sentence. Boom. Through the roof. Okay. Manchin notes that he has had a 12-year relationship with no labels, the centrist political group that he's trying to gain access to the ballot in all 50 states to open a path for a third-party candidate to run for president. Wow, 12-year relationship. They're basically married at that point. He praises the group as just about the only one in Washington trying to get Republicans or Democrats to cooperate and says voters are starving for less partisanship in politics. I mean, like, I agree with that, but the partisanship part. part. Also that he's the the only one trying to get Republicans and Democrats to cooperate. I'm like, sir, weren't you the one that was roadblocking quite every piece of legislation that you could and then like being sir you were the problem you literally were the problem. fed dollars by the coal industry like like honey 
honey. We see you. We see you. We do. And he said, I've been a part of no labels since December of 2010. It's the only game in town that wants to bring people together and get Democrats and Republicans working together, he said. It's just not. It's just It's just not. The, I would say the problem solvers caucus might put you out of bitterness yeah. on that thought. I'm just saying. Asked about the talk that he could run nationwide on the no labels ticket, Banchin said people are starving and starving to work together. He said voters are sick of this constant daily routine of everyone's against everybody and everybody's fighting and arguing. Let's be for the country and get something done, he said. Says the cock. Honestly, I want to I want to rename Mitch McConnell. He's no longer cockblock McConnell. He's just the gobbler. I think that Mansion is the cockblock. So somehow we need cockblock and Mansion. I don't know what we do with that name combo, but there's something, something. He has repeatedly declined to knock down chatter that he may run for president as a third party candidate and told reporters last week. He won't make a decision about his political future until the end of the year. He didn't announce his decision to run for a third Senate term until January 23rd, January 23rd, no, January 23rd, 2018, a few weeks into the election year. Wow, guys, a a last minute maverick. Manchin is up for re-election next year and Senate Republicans think they scored a big win by recruiting popular Republican Governor Jim Justice to run against him. Speculation around a Manchin bid for president is grounded on the conventional wisdom that justice would be a formal general election candidate and that Manchin may want to skip a bruising battle against him in a Republican-leaning state to run against a weak incumbent president. Democratic strategists who are more familiar with the nuances of West Virginia's political scene think justice will have a tough road to winning the Senate Republican nomination against Representative Alex Mooney, who's a Republican from West Virginia, who is also running for Manchin's seat. I think he is very much underestimating how hard winning a Republican primary is going to be and what you have to do to win that Republican primary to make a lot of what Republican strategists think his appeal in the general election a lot weaker. Manchin says he's not too worried about his opponent. Let the games begin. It's going to be a very entertaining primary on their side, he said. Uh, I just, all I know is if he runs for president as... a non-affiliated candidate. I'm going to lose my mind. Same. That's going to be a problem because he's going to pull votes away from Biden, mostly, because I don't think anyone on the Republican side, I mean, unless like really traditional, classic, like moderate Republicans that don't like Trump, like would probably vote for Manchin over Biden. But like, first of all, Biden needs those votes. And then second of all, like any kind of Republican who's pretty loyal Republican will vote for Trump if he if they need to. Like they're not going to vote for 10 plus decades long Democrat from the Senate that's now a centrist. You know, like they're just nobody's going to do that on the Republican side. It's going to be Democrats fleeing Biden for Manchin, if anything. Yeah. A.K.A. taking votes away from Biden. So. That's going to be a problem. And he's really had, like, such a little, like, stick up his butt for, like, the last few months. Like, every story I see about him is him having a little hissy fit and doing something to, like, get back at the Biden administration. And it's just, Mm -hmm. like, because I think it was whatever permitting reform that he had a little hissy fit. (laughs) And I just, that to me says that he is more about, and he's not alone almost, about the petty revenge tactic than he is about like caring about the bigger picture 
And so totally. like he doesn't him, give a shit about getting anything no. done. We know that we've seen that from him. So exactly. Because he's had every ample opportunity to do that with so many things. And like, but it is, it's such a funny like double-edged sword because in, there are instances where like we do need him in the Senate. Like there are votes we do need him there for. And- I mean, it would be great to get an actual like Democrat to replace him if he doesn't oh, run for his seat again. But I just don't know who the hell it's going to be detrimental be. in the presidential election if he decides to be a third party yeah. candidate. So I would be really curious what the West Virginia vibe is like and what sort of like that contingent of Dems is like. And we should definitely I know we follow a few West Virginia reps at the state level, and I'm super curious to hear from them. So maybe we have uh, one of them on soon and just sort of get that POV because I'm just like so curious. Like it's not. Like, my vantage point on the state is that it's, like, hyper-Republican and, like, redder than red. Like, a cranberry isn't red enough kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And for lack of a phrase. <laughs> but I'm curious if, like, that's the case or is it, like, just a very, like, voter-suppressed state? Like, what is the actual deal? Because I feel like there are states I can, like, look at or just have a knowledge of where I'm like, okay, this is, like, really what the scenario is. Or, like, this is how the party infrastructure works. I really... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious too. Like, they how... do know that the just like the Jim Justice family, the Republican side is like a huge political family in West Virginia and has their hands yeah. in everything. But I'm more curious too about just like the electorate in West Virginia and like whether yeah. it's just a small group of regular voters or if there's a big chunk of people that haven't been reached. What that all looks like, but I'm also curious how many people in, are there in West Virginia. There's only 1.7 million people in West Virginia. Jesus, no checks, honestly. I mean, it makes sense, but like crazy. Well, those are our top stories of the week, and we have a fresh episode for you all tomorrow. Samantha, would you like to do the honors? Telling everyone. Love to do the honors. We were talking oh to God. We are talking to Jessica Gale. She is Congressman Swalwell's communications director. This episode is all about careers in DC. So how to network on the hill, how to just get in the door, what that looks like, what are some of the things that she learned along the way. Can- how ironic that we were talking about I know. Eric Swalwell being thirsty and like prioritizing comms and like we're literally talking to his comms director tomorrow. But just look at us. We just love to tie look everything at together. Us. Well, you know, it's see some of these things happen when I'm writing the newsletter too in my head, and then they just come further into fruition when we record. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a little just mm, sewing. That was not planned. That was just synergy. Synergy. Wow. Great use of that word. That is just speaking of buzzwords. But regardless. This episode is really great if you have an interest as to how political careers in D.C. work, if you want to get into a career in D.C., if you already work in D.C. and you're like, give me the 4 on one like what are the networking tactics, like what are the vibes here? But also, too, I think it's just a really good look. Even if you have no interest, you're like, I'm just curious about politics in general and like chit-chatting with people in politics. Like this is just a good look of like, what that looks like in different industries and all that stuff. Plus, it's just a fun combo. And Jess is great. We love her. Wait, wait, I have one thing, one quick thing. And that is just, 
I know I post this on LinkedIn, but Be Real just updated their app and they added a new feature that allows you to integrate your Spotify and show what you're listening to. So with that in mind, if you guys are Be Realing and have updated your app and you just happen to be listening to a girl on the of the podcast, send us a pic, tag us. And this is your reminder that if you post your favorite episode to your story, tag us and add a link to the episode, we will send you some stickers. We've got some new smiley stickers. I went rogue and added some new colors. So yeah, the world, the world is our oyster. With Speaking the of new colors, go check out our new updated makeover website. Mm-hmm. She's looking really cute. So go to girlinthegup.com and you can check it out. And then you can also, again, be reminded and refreshed on all the things we provide, like the Gup Club, if you have not signed up yet. So, and the Gup Hub, if you have not signed up yet. All and our whole consulting Gup. menu and viral. Yeah. And yep. we just, we do a yep. lot. Yep. We do a lot. So we uh, do the most, <clears throat> but there we are. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Toodaloo.